Well, good morning, First Lutheran Church. It's very good to see you. Very nice to uh, be here in the traditional service with all of you. Uh, so I want to say hi uh, to you in here. I want to say hi also to those of you who are joining us in the uh, contemporary service just down the hall uh, via simulcast. Also to the other people watching us on screens, whether that's online or through uh, TV, I'm really glad that we can all worship together. My name is Danny. I'm an intern here, uh, and I've been here for a couple of years now, and I'm so happy to have the opportunity to speak with you this morning. Uh, we're nearing the end of our Restored series which is kind of hard to believe because we've been going through this series for a while now. It's been the entire calendar year for us. Uh, this Restored series where we're trying to find this life transformation in Jesus Christ. So first we began by asking, okay, who is Jesus? Well, he's the Son of God. And so we restored our view of who God is. And then we began to ask, okay, well, who am I? Well, I am a beloved child of God. And now we're asking through the third part of this series, who are we? Who are we as a community? And we say we are a good and beautiful community made up of good and beautiful people because we are made by a good and beautiful God. And this week, we land on the topic of hope. Because as followers of Christ, we are called to be full of hope, to have hope. See, hope is kind of a sensitive word for a lot of people because there's a lot of misconceptions about it. But it's central to our faith. It, it's what the rest of our faith comes from. You heard it in the reading this morning from Colossians chapter 1. We'll put it up on the board here. And I just want us to read this together to have this understanding of, of what hope does. So let's read this together. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. See, oftentimes we talk about our faith and the love that comes from that faith, but let's not forget where that faith comes from, where our faith is rooted. Our faith is firmly rooted in the hope that Jesus has brought us. The hope that there is something better than this world. The hope that someday I'm not going to be bound by the troubles here. The hope that maybe there's light despite the darkness around me. Because you saw it in the video that we opened this message with. We are imperfect people. We are broken people. And we live because we are imperfect and broken in an imperfect and broken world. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. We don't have to look that far to see that. I mean, it's all around us. There are wars. There is division. There's chaos on a more personal level. People die. We get sick. Eventually we will die. There's separation. Families split up. Lose a job. Facing that unemployment. Facing financial crises. And then there's also the minor stuff in our life, you know, like well, my breakfast wasn't very good today. All right, I get that. I bit the inside of my mouth when I was eating my cereal this morning. True story. Yeah, there's chaos. There's disappointment. And sometimes that is really frustrating because we realize that our time here on earth is limited. I read recently that now here in the United States, someone who is born today or someone who is alive today will live close to, on average, about... 80 years old. Unless, of course, you live in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, you got way more time than that. 
and, and the thing is, is, it's interesting. When I read that, for the first time in my life, I think I understood what these midlife, which I'm not to yet, but quarter-life crisis is. I know mean, that sounds really ridiculous. I am 24 years old, and say the 28th, right? I'm 24 years old in 24 years and 29 days old. I had a birthday recently. You missed it. Thanks. Um, so give or take, I have about 20,000 days left on this earth. That's not a lot. It's kind of depressing when I think about it like that. And so I had this realization the other day. I am over a quarter of the way through what I'm expected to live to. That's kind of scary. And what's really disappointing about that is all the disappointments that I'm going to face over the next, give or take, 56 years. It's hitting me again. It's weird how that happens. But hope is this thing that we have and we hold on to that says, yes, it is chaotic. Yes, there are problems all throughout these 80 years. But you will be okay. You will be all right. See, when I was a little bit younger, I never really had these thoughts because this thought of my life coming to an end or perhaps that I'm not okay never really hit me when I was young and innocent and naive. I remember when I was at the airport with my parents uh, and my brother and my sister when I was, I think it was like six years old probably. We were taking a trip to Disney World. So we were flying down to Orlando, and our, my family's process of flying is a little bit different than some families. My mom works for uh, the airline uh, industry, and so with that, we fly for free, which is the coolest thing. I mean, it's easy transportation. We, I grew up in Des Moines, so even if we were like flying to Minneapolis, we, or traveling to Minneapolis, we would fly. Or if we were traveling to Kansas City, we would fly. It was great. The problem, though, is when you're flying for free, you only get a seat if there's an extra seat. So sometimes that means you're not getting a seat. And so we started in Des Moines. We flew up to Minneapolis for our connection flight down to probably Memphis and then to Orlando, something like that. And I remember for the first time, I was stressed out as a young lad. I was little Danny stressed out at six years old. I know, probably just because I realized... You know, Mom, Dad, we got a problem here. We might not make this flight. I don't like that. I want to get to Disney World. And sure enough, the first flight comes, and it leaves without us. And I felt abandoned. The plane was gone. And my world came crashing down. Suddenly, I realized disappointment and understanding that things don't always work out just perfectly. And so I start having a little bit of a hissy fit like a lot of six-year-olds do. This is not fair. I want to go see Mickey. I want to see Minnie. I want to see Goofy. I want to see, I, I want to see these people. This meant the world to me. And my mom comes up to me and says, Danny, you're going to be okay. You're going to get there. So just go have some fun. The cool thing about the Minneapolis airport is there are some different parts uh, that have like little playgrounds. I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, and so in this one particular part of the, of the airport, they had this playground that looked like a plane. And I hadn't noticed it until my mom told me, Danny, you're fine. Just go have some fun. Relax a little bit. Don't forget, hope is not lost. You will see Mickey. You will see the castle. You will get to Disney World. You're okay. 
Just go have some fun. And I trusted her. I had that hope and I could believe that. And so I go over to the playground and I'm having a blast. And suddenly I was free from the stress and the chaos of whether or not it happened. And sure enough, eventually I got there, but then I was also able to enjoy that moment too. It wasn't then just about getting to Disney World. It was about enjoying where I was at. Understanding that despite the chaos, despite the issues around me, I was okay. See, hope is that thing that tells us there is a way out. The unfortunate reality of this life is that sometimes we feel like we're in shackles. Sometimes we feel like we're bound up. And hope is realistic. Hope does not say you will not have issues. I mean, take it from 2 Corinthians. It says, we are beat down, we are struck down, we're persecuted. But keep in mind, it also says, but you're not destroyed and you're not abandoned. Ever. Hold on to that hope. There's always a way out. My wrestling coach in high school, one of them uh, told me, uh, Danny, when you feel like you're about to get pinned. If you're not familiar with wrestling, pinned is when you're on your back and if you get both shoulders on the mat, you lose the match. Danny, when you're about to get pinned, because he knew there's probably going to be a lot of situations when you specifically are about to get pinned, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. Now, the problem is, is I did not usually find that way out my sophomore year of high school. And so instead of getting that way out, I got a nice tour of all the gymnasium lights around central Iowa. Every single Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I could tell you which lights were out. I could tell you which custodians needed to be up on the uh, rafters, getting them fixed. I just fill out the report for them, maybe help, help their jobs a little bit more. I spent a lot of time on my back on a wrestling mat. It was great. And see, that's a misconception that we have about hope often. Because my coach there, he gave me some hope, but I was unable to, to, to make the most of that. And so we get this misconception about hope. That hope is nothing more than a bad drug. You know, that, that relieves you, it superficially relieves you from the present, only to set you up for failure in the future. What a terrible understanding of hope. How sad. But we get that in our minds. Because as we grow older, we run into disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And when we get our hopes up, we feel like it's only to be let down. Last week, I was with my brother in Charlotte. Uh, and my brother works for NASCAR. And with him working for—you guys are just going to think I'm the biggest— uh, <laughs> borrower of all time. My brother works for NASCAR, so he gave me tickets to a race. <laughs> for free, again. I'm a seminary student, okay? Um, and so he gave me tickets to this NASCAR race. And he was going to go with me. And we were in Charlotte, and the, and the race was at Bristol Motor Speedway, which is in Bristol, Tennessee. And so my hopes are so excited, not just because I'm going to a NASCAR race, but because my hero, Jeff Gordon, I mean, we're talking about the greatest driver of all time. Jeff Gordon, who retired last year, is out of retirement filling in for Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I get to see Jeff Gordon race one more time. And I'm thrilled about it. And I'm so excited because I just have this feeling he's going to win. 
I mean, sure, he's been out of the sport for nine months, but I'm sure he'll come back and he'll be just as good as always and he'll win. So I have this hope and I'm so excited. And John and I, we hop in the car with a couple of his buddies and we saw the forecast. We saw the forecast of, of the weather, what, what it was supposed to look like, and we saw that it's, okay, 70% chance of rain. And in case you don't know NASCAR, you can't drive 160 to 200 miles per hour on a wet surface. It's not very safe. It's enjoyable from a fan's perspective, but the drivers, you know, they like their livelihood. And so, and so when there's a 70% chance of rain, you maybe shouldn't take the four-hour trip to the race. And so John and I, we hop in the car with the buddies, and we're driving. We're like, oh, man, I hope it works out. I just have this good. It's going to work. It's going to be fine. I hope this works out. We get to the track, and at first, everything is fine. And then that happens. Yeah, a lot of rain. Hopes came plummeting down, and suddenly my brother and I, we looked a lot like this instead. <laughs> Alone, abandoned. Similar feeling to how I felt when the plane left to Disney World without me. Alone, abandoned. See, we think of hope sometimes, we just think of it as this thing that's blind. You know, it's, it's lazy. It's just wishful thinking at best. Don't misunderstand hope. Don't misunderstand what it really is. Because when you do, you're setting yourself up for trouble. You're setting yourself up for disaster. Because when you give up hope, where do you find light? Where do you find reason to keep going? I found myself back in the airport on my way to this trip where I was going to find the NASCAR race. Before the NASCAR race, I was going to see my family in Charleston, South Carolina. It's where my sister lives now, and we were all going to meet up down there. And I end up, I find myself at the Minneapolis airport once again, borrowing off of mom. And I knew. I knew the situation. Okay, I have a chance of getting on these flights. My hope is up because the chances look good. See, this wasn't even a situation where the chances look bad. The chances look good here. There were like 20 seats open on this first flight. And so I walk up, and I walk up to the ticket agent. I'm like, I'm on standby. Don't worry. You don't need to tell me. I know I'm good. <laughs> no worries. She's like, all right, well, I'll call your name just once we get a little bit closer to the flight, just, you know, protocol, that stuff. So I'm sitting there. Apparently some other airline, which will not be named, but I despise them. I'm just kidding, I don't. Their flight canceled. And so a lot of people then came over to this flight, and I see this crowd of people just walking over. And I knew there were about 20 seats, and I'm seeing probably like 15 people walking over. I'm like, that's fine, I got five, I got five seats to spare, I'm all good. I'm good. You know, so they walk up, they check in, and I walk up to the ticket agent after that, I'm like, we're still good, right? Yeah? Okay, just checking, just checking, just making sure. You know, my hope is still there. My, I still have some hope left. And then walks up four people who say, yeah, we had a golf outing tonight. It got canceled, so we'd like to hop on this flight earlier. I'm like, you have a flight later. <laughs> Starting to get a little nervous. Now I know that there's one seat left. And so I walk up to you, I'm like, hey, there's still that one seat left, right? There's still, right? And, yeah, 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 don't worry about it plane comes in, 
flight attendant comes off, hey, just so you know, for this next flight, one of the seats, the seat belt isn't working, so we're going to have to, to take one person out. Are you kidding me? That's fine. <laughs> That's the early flight. I'll go to the next flight. But <laughs> if you work in the airline industry, I would just like to apologize on behalf of all of us. You get mistreated more than like a, a kitten stuck in a playpen with a toddler. You know what I mean? Just think about that. It's, it's terrible. And, and I, at this point, am not very happy. And so I have now lost hope. I realize there's no way I'm getting to Charleston. In fact, I probably won't even see my family ever again because I can't get on this flight. And so I am going to walk up to this, this, this gate attendant. I'm going to... So what's it look like, huh? What's it look like? Is there anything I can do? Is there, what can I do here? Can I help you? Can I yeah, slip a little cash under the table? You know, what, what might I do for you? Nothing's working out. Flight leaves. Done. Feeling abandonment. So I do what any overprivileged 24-year-old might do in that moment. I call my mom. <laughs> mom, this isn't fair. I'm getting a free vacation to Charleston on a free plane, and I can't even get there. Danny, you're going to be okay. Just have some fun. Don't forget to live in this moment. Mom, but I'm never going to get there. Uh, Danny, stop thinking about that. Don't stress out. Don't freak out. Don't try to take matters into your own hands. It's not worth it. Have some fun. And it was like right on cue. This is a different gate. It's a different terminal and everything, but there's a playground <laughs> stationed right across. And I'm not going to, don't worry, this is, I didn't go and play with the toddlers on the playground. <laughs> hey, John! watch me. To hey, Johnny, watch me. <laughs> That's not what happened. But I sat there and I had this whole new perspective. See, it's not about taking matters into my own hands and saying, I hope. I'm developing this hope. I'm going to make the most out of my 80 years here. I'm going to take matters into my own hands See, when I take matters in my own hands, I start to grasp on things other than hope. Money. Notice I have a dollar bill. <laughs> That's in my wallet right now. I, 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 I grab onto my knowledge, what I can hold onto, what I can grasp. This is my Hebrew textbook. I know a third of it. And, and, and when, I, when I have things that are going to help me survive a long way, I'm going to grasp onto that. This is what I'm grasping onto. And then when things start to fail me, I'm just going to get all the stuff that maybe makes me feel a little bit better. And then when that starts to fail, when my health starts to fail, I'm going to grab onto the things that can make me possibly healthy again. Because you know what? Forget 80 years. I'm going to take the steps to live maybe a little bit longer. Because this is horrifying to me. 80 years? I, let's make it 85. Okay, well, what do you do at the end of 85? When, when the money runs out or, or your knowledge isn't worth anything anymore or, or the stuff that you have, it starts to break down. Well, that's fine because I got a whole backpack of stuff. 
It's just going to get me through all these roadblocks in life. I'm just going to keep on pushing and I'll be okay. I'm going to take matters into my own hands because I know if I put hope in something else, I'm only going to be let down. If I'm mustering up hope, I've been there, I've done that. See, the interesting thing is I get all this stuff to help me break through the roadblocks. I don't look very mobile right now. And no matter what I do, this 80 eventually turns in to zero. I've got 20,000 days left on this earth. And someday, I'm going to hit zero. And I'm not saying to scare that, to scare anyone. I don't believe in scare tactics. I'm just being real here. Just like scripture is real about what hope is. You have problems. One of them is the fact that you're a human. You're broken. You're imperfect. I am too. So is the world. Why take matters into your own hands? When God is reaching out his hand. See, put that down, he says. When your hands are so full, you're... You can't grab mine. Now, I did pay for that laptop, so I'm not just going <laughs> to... It's an analogy, people. <laughs> grab my hand. Choose me. See, you're trying to measure the hope that I can give you. Not hope that you muster up on your own. See, the hope that Paul uses when he speaks in Colossians, to the Colossians that we read in the scripture this morning. He doesn't say it in verb form. He says it in the form of a noun. Something to possess. Something to have. He's encouraging you, don't just hope. Don't just desire. Don't just want. The hope that Paul refers to literally translates into, yes, hope. Expect it. Expect it. Know that there's something better. Know that you are not trapped inside the darkness of this world. Know that you don't just have 80 years. Know that there is something beyond. See, God says you're looking at it wrong the whole way. This is the sign for infinity. And guess what? You're zero plus infinity through the gift of hope that was given to you through my son on a cross for you. You're going to be okay. So have some fun. Enjoy this life. Don't make it about what you can do on your own. Live it with the good and beautiful people around you that this good and beautiful God has offered you. That's the whole reason why we have life groups at this church. It's the whole reason why we're given the gift of community. It's not about what you can do on your own because what you can do on your own eventually, it comes up short every single time. But what you do when you hold on to the hope 
that is given to you through salvation in Jesus Christ. That lasts forever. It gives you a whole new perspective. Live that life. It changes everything. Suddenly you're not the, the spoiled 24-year-old sitting pouting at the gate. You're the six-year-old on the playground having a blast with the other people around him or her. Understand that this life is not meant to be lived by yourself, making your own efforts. This life is meant to be lived in relationship with God. A relationship that will never end. A relationship that blesses you because, well, you get you. And you get me. We get each other. Join in that hope. Join in that peace. See, that changes everything. Second Corinthians and Paul continues and he says, so hold fast. Don't give up hope. Know that while you're outwardly, you are fading. Inwardly, you're being built up. And the troubles that you have, they don't even come close to the treasure that is to come your way. You've always thought hope is just superficial relief from the present. No. Hope resolves your current problems, eventually, because you have victory in the future. That's the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. That's the hope that you have forever. And that changes everything. It's freedom. At the end of the reading today, you heard Paul say, and that's why the gospel's on the move, because you, Colossians, you have accepted this hope. And from it, people are seeing it. And it's changing the world. See, you've got these relationship, you've got this relationship with God, and it's building relationships with the people around you. That's the beautiful thing about this thing called hope. It's not measured, and it doesn't ever get down to zero. It fills you up all the way, and then it overflows into the lives around you if you accept it. Paul says, this happens when you truly know God. When you've truly accepted this gift of hope. That's my encouragement to you today. Accept that gift of hope. Share it with the world around you. If you want to know how to do it, come to our connection event. We'll share it with you so you can share it with us and we can share it with the world. It changes everything. Don't ever forget that. This darkness does not last. This chaos does not last. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that expectation, it does. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of hope. Thank you for the gift of your Son in which hope is made available. God, I ask that we would accept that hope so that we could be free of the trouble around us. Free in a way that it's contagious with the rest of the world. That they would see it, they would accept it. We could share that hope with each other, growing closer to you. 
Father, we love you. It's because you loved us first enough to give us this hope. Pray these things in your name. Amen.